Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of, of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. This episode is brought to you in part by Dice Bart. Dice Bard is an online shop with a great selection of dice and sales that rotate every 24 hours. So if you ever have your sights set on a specific set but not a lot of cash, it won't be long till it goes on sale. Running for new players and want to get them quickly acquainted with the different dice they'll need? The Complete Adventures Dice Kit has 29 color-coded dice that are easy to distinguish while reaching hastily across the table so they can roll damage for their fireball spell. Visit DiceBard.com and use the code DMVAN at checkout to get free expedited shipping and let them know that we sent you. DiceBard has everything you need to play Dungeons & Dragons, as long as all you need is dice. This episode is also brought to you in part by Libris Arcana, Canada's premier dice subscription service. Every month you can get a new complete set from D4s to D20s delivered straight to your door. Dice themes are new each month and can be anything your mind can imagine and more. Visit LibrisArcana.com to get a subscription for just $7.97 Canadian each month. Use the promo code DMVAN to let them know we sent you. Be prepared to open up new worlds of adventure with Libris Arcana. folks, welcome to another episode of DMs of Vancouver. Today we're going to be talking about DMing while introverted. Today we're talking to Andrea Dreger. How's it going, Andrea? Hi, doing good. How are you guys today? Doing pretty well. It's good. Um, So uh, Andrea, just tell us a a bit about yourself. How long you've been playing, what kind of games you run, anything else that you think is relevant? Uh, Sure, yeah. So I started playing RPGs about 20 years ago. Um, I started playing online, actually, in the old days of like chat rooms and forums and that sort of thing. I started DMing 10 years ago, and I didn't actually make it to the tabletop RPG scene until about five years ago. So I'm new to tabletop, but I've played RPGs for a while. Um, I do a bunch of stuff in our community around uh, RPGs. Uh, this year, um, my colleague Brianna and I hosted a charity D&D event, and we raised $2,000 for the Adoptive Families Association of BC, which was super awesome. Uh, the community, that is super awesome. Yeah, and the community support was really great. We were just so astounded by everyone's support, so hopefully we'll do it again next year. Um, I'm also on the board of directors for the West Coast Science Fiction Association, and they are the ones behind VCon, which is an annual science fiction, fantasy, and gaming convention. Uh, and I am a volunteer with Terminal City Tabletop Convention. Ooh, I will repeat that. Um, and I'm a volunteer at Terminal City Tabletop Convention, and last year I did their social media. Cool. Oh, cool. I just want to ask really quickly, I've been to Terminal City for the last couple of years, and I just have to ask, what are your thoughts on the new venue, the uh, Croatian Cultural Center? Uh, I I love it. Uh, It's so much bigger, and it's given space for like a dedicated RPG room, which is super great. Um, The one thing that I don't like about it is that it's farther away from me because I live out in the Fraser Valley, so it's a bit more of a drive, but... I could deal with that for the bigger space. I just found that the the Croatian Cultural Center, the um, the area where they had set up all the tables where you play board games, yep. it somehow felt more cramped. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Well, and you know, it's a, it's a busy con, right? And it's it seems like it's growing all the time, so it's going to be packed no matter what size of area we have. 
Yeah, yeah. for sure. Anyways, introverted DMing. Yes. Um, I think we should probably start with just uh, like when you're talking about being introverted, what is it that you mean? So I grew up and everyone always used to like ask me questions like, don't you ever talk? And why are you so quiet? And it always used to make me so mad because, you know, it, it made me feel like I was a different sort of person and like I was wrong to be acting this way. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I started, you know, learning more about being an introverted person and how we're different from extroverts and how that's not necessarily a bad thing. So when I talk about introverts, I talk about the sort of people who, when they're around people, they tend to get really tired and to recharge, they need quiet time. They need space. So it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, stereotypes, you're shy or you don't like people or you can't talk in a crowd, that sort of thing. Um, but it's just, you, you recharge a little bit differently and socially you tend to be a bit more quiet and that's, that, that's what I mean when I talk about introverts. There's lots of great resources out there. So if you're not sure if you're an introvert, an extrovert, or an ambivert, I think is another term, there's super great resources out there. And if you're thinking about that you're an introvert and you want to read a little bit more, there's a really great book by Susan Cain called The Quiet. And that was like life-changing for me. So I definitely recommend that book. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm I'm in the same boat. Like it took me a while to realize that like I can be social, like I can go out and be, you know, at a party and be talking to people and everything. But like, I, I think this happened like a year ago where I went to a party, like just a, a Christmas party th with some friends. And I had to spend the next few days just at home doing nothing, playing video games because I just couldn't handle talking to anybody for the next few days because I had just worn myself out at that party. Yeah, for sure. And then of course, extroverts, they get charged up by being around people. That's how they get their energy. So <laughs> it's definitely... A balance. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, my husband is an extrovert. So it's been a bit of a learning process between the two of us trying to figure out, you know, he wants to go out and play lots of games and I, I need little breaks. But yeah, doesn't necessarily mean that we're shy and we don't like people. But I mean, we can be those two, two things as well. They're not mutually exclusive. But so how how important is the the group that you play with? when uh, when you're an introverted DM? So, so the importance of the group, I think, for any RPG game is really important. Uh, if you don't have the right mix of people, it's just not going to work. But being an introvert uh, can definitely change the experience because, again, we tend to be quieter. Um, we tend to be in our heads a lot more. Extroverts tend to, you know, say immediately what's on their minds and they're a lot better at responding right away. Whereas introverts, we tend to like to think things through a little bit more. So having a good group who you can communicate with and just kind of let them understand that it's like, hey, I'm a little bit introverted. So if I'm if I seem quiet, it doesn't mean that I'm having a bad time. It just means that I'm, you know, taking five seconds to think about what I'm going to do, what my character is going to say, or when you're DMing, like, I'm just taking that, you know, five seconds to process what you said and think about it, and I will still respond. So 
making sure your group understands that and kind of knows a little bit about your introverted self is always a good thing. And I, th- I think that's good advice to like, whether you're a player or a GM is to let the group know that like, Hey, I'm, I've got some introverted tendencies. I'm going to be a little bit quieter. I'm going to take some time to think because I think as a GM, knowing that one of your players is more introverted than, than extroverted uh, is, is great because it helps you know that, Oh, they're just being quiet. Like they're taking a couple of seconds when it comes to their turn in battle because they want to just like finish what they're thinking about and like planning out what they're going to do. They're not, they're not the kind of player who's not paying attention and having to get up to speed with what's happened since their last turn. They're just taking a few extra seconds to figure out what they want to do. Yeah, that that's exactly it. It's like I say, it's not that we're we're not enjoying ourselves. We just need some time to think. <laughs> I, you know, I agree that it's really important to talk about this because I'm thinking back when I started uh, playing like, you know, 10 years ago and uh, like I didn't have the language of introvert and extrovert. Um, I looked it up. I think I'm probably an ambivert. I'm kind of a mix of the two. But like we had players who were introverted and we just thought, oh, you know, they're bored. They're not having a good time. What can we do to help them have a good time? And like instead of just, you know, asking them <laughs> or talking to them about it, we were always worried about it and like now that like now that i have access to this language it's easier to be like oh yeah no i know my friend's a bit introverted give them an extra second to do something or if they don't speak up right away we can let them think on it like it's i'm really glad that this language has come more into the kind of like mainstream yes i definitely agree um and like you say especially i think in the last 10 years it's really been a thing even just in like at work and in life and things that people are starting to understand you know for a long time we sort of had this ideal that you know you needed to be extroverted and you needed to be the life of the party and you know you needed to talk a lot and be great at small talk but I think the last decade is really there's been this shift and this appreciation towards different personality types and different strengths and different things that people can bring to the table which for me as an introvert has been awesome um, because there's been more appreciation for the skills that I have um, versus the skills that I don't because I'm not an extrovert. So Now, um, you, you mentioned that you volunteer at conventions and I'm, I'm assuming you, you've gone to some other conventions. How, how do you deal with being an introvert at conventions when you're maybe volunteering or DMing a table or something like that? Oh, so conventions for an introvert are really tiring. <laughs> Um, so one of the biggest things that helps for me is that I need to make space at the event. So not just, um, trying not to do all the things because conventions, there's always so many amazing things going on and you want to do it all, but understanding that just as an introvert, I can't do it all because I will be so dead the next day or for like a week later. Um, so just understanding that, you know, take it slower, do the things that you really want to do, and then have have those breaks in between. I also, um, so make space in your schedule, but also find that quiet space. So at big noisy events, um, you know, go find a quiet hallway where you can just sit for 10 minutes and rest and check your phone maybe listen to music just to kind of calm, 
calm yourself down, you know, let let your mind and brain unwind a little bit. And if you can afford it, staying at the hotel at the convention space is always amazing because then you have your own personal private space you could escape to. But I know that's not always affordable. I know I certainly can't always do it, but um, when I can, it's super great. The other, the other thing I do is I always try to take a friend with me. So usually that's my husband. So I like I have a built-in friend. He comes with me. Um, and it really also helps that he is an extrovert. So take an extrovert with you who knows your introverted self um, because they can kind of be a shield for you. Um, for example my husband Blair, he can kind of read me and he knows when I need that 10 minutes of quiet time. Um, And he will, you know, when I'm kind of sitting there feeling like, oh, I want to play that game, but I don't know, he knows automatically. No, you know what? It's okay. We can take a break. Let's go. And, you know, he will do that. And sometimes if I'm feeling bashful about approaching someone I want to talk to, you know, I can say, I can give him a nudge in the ribs and be like, hey, would you would you go uh, break the ice for me over there? Can we go talk to this person? And of course, he's an extrovert. He loves talking to people. So he'll be like, yeah, let's do it. And he'll drag me over to the booth or whatever and strike up a conversation. And because I hate small talk being an introvert, so I'm terrible at it. But if I take him with me, I have an automatic, you know, kind of cheater cheat cheat code to get myself past that so that's a big help when it comes to to have you ever dm'd at a convention i have yes i've dm'd at terminal city before <laughs> one of the years that i went to terminal city i brought i think it was the year that i bought the um fifth edition box set and i'd already played it with uh two different groups and i wanted to give it a shot at at a convention just to get a feel for like does this work as a convention game spoiler it doesn't but i found that like after dming just a single group i was like i need to go somewhere else for a little bit how do you find do you have any like tips or tricks for dming at a convention where you kind of have to like you've kind of i guess it depends on if you've signed up like what the expectations are because if you signed up to be a dm for the entire day like how do you deal with that versus you know that you can tag out and somebody will take your spot for an hour while you go and recharge. Um, I think that's, um, that's a good point. It's knowing yourself and knowing what your energy levels are and what you're capable of. Um, if you are interested in DMing at a convention, I'd recommend just you know starting small. Maybe just volunteer to DM one session and see how that goes. And then, you know, you can play it by ear after that, you know, if you feel like you could do next year two sessions in a day, then you could definitely uh, increase that. But um, it's kind of like a try not to bite off more than you can chew situation. I know for me, one session and I, 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 one session in a convention space and I typically lose my voice. So I can only do one session for a convention. And the other thing is some conventions are really awesome and the organizers are super great. And that if you do end up biting off more than you can chew, often they, they're, you know, they're really understanding and they know, you know, you, you can be like, Hey, I've 
totally lost my voice or I just don't have the energy to do this. Like help. And, you know, often there's people who can step in or help out or rearrange. Yeah. That's my experience anyway. I know not all conventions are like that, but the good ones are. <laughs> yes, the good ones are. One of the things uh, about some of the bigger conventions I've started to notice that I'm really enjoying is they're making quiet rooms. Like they're they're taking a room that's just like this is for people who need quiet time. That's that's yes. all this room is for. <laughs> yes, and that that has been super great because then you know finding that quiet space is really easy. Yeah, and it's you know it's easy to tell people that's where you'll be. <laughs> They yep. need you. It's like, find me in the quiet room between games. I will be there, like, on my phone. So when you're DMing, one of the things that, as DMs, we tend to have to do more often than players is getting into character because we're playing all of the other characters, all the NPCs, all the <laughs> monsters, all of that stuff. How do you... How do you deal with that, getting into character when you when you know that you've kind of got to... Especially when it's like maybe a more important NPC or like the group's favorite NPC, like their favorite shopkeep who has this weird tick that they just fell in love with <laughs> or the, you know, the final boss where, you know, you want to kind of make it a little bit memorable, a little bit of a performance. Like how do you get into character? Um, yeah. So I, gosh, where do I start with that one? There's, there's a few different things that I do. One of the, the small things is, if it's a new character that I'm doing, I try and get comfortable with just talking about the character first instead of trying to bring in these really crazy elements. Like, I know, I know I'm know, i not a Matt Mercer DM. <laughs> um, I, I would like to be there one day. But I get try and get comfortable talking about my character first. Um, I'm naturally a writer. So for me, describing what my character is like and what they're doing, that comes fairly easy to me. Um, coming up with things like ticks and voices and stuff that that's taken me a little bit longer to master. But the biggest thing for me for that was getting over my fear of uh, making a mistake, right? I always had this panic of, oh, if they want to go back and talk to that shopkeep again, am I going to remember what this person is like? And so getting over that and trying to be okay with it. You know, if I do the wrong voice or give them the wrong tick. You know, my players are very forgiving. And I mean, that comes back to the point of having, you know, a really good group and people who understand and who, who, who are okay with that and who are just there to have fun and enjoy the game. And they're, they're not going to beat me up over if I did the wrong voice. So having that level of trust with my players has been a big, a big help to my own learning as a DM. Yeah, and I think one of the more important things that I've seen when it comes to NPCs and characterizing them was the, what Matt Colville says about you. Like, not everybody is Matt Mercer, like you said, and I think it's important to realize that it's okay to not do voices that you don't have to make every NPC this memorable. Uh, you know, like the black powder merchant from Critical <laughs> Role, like. Not every NPC has to be memorable. Like you can get away with just doing like you don't even have to do a voice if you're not comfortable with it. You can just do like what I found works for me is doing body language, like trying to like if it's a, a noble, like I'll sit up straighter or I'll try to talk more precisely. Like I don't try to talk more 
elegantly or use bigger words because I'll forget to do that or I'll mess up and say something really stupid that a, a noble wouldn't do. But I'll try to say try to say things precisely, like really enunciate everything. And just stuff for, for me, little tricks like that, like body language and just how they talk and not their accent have made my life a lot easier because I... Even when I'm just playing once a week with my group of friends, I don't have the energy to do crazy NPC voices every session. <laughs> um, another thing that I found really helpful is um, as an introvert, we naturally live in our own heads a little bit more than our extroverted friends do. Um, we tend to think a lot about these things and process a lot. So one of the things that I constantly have to remind myself when it comes to NPCs and different characters is I could be thinking something about my character and thinking it's really cool and I realize that I haven't actually said anything and so I'm sitting there with like this little grin on my face chuckling to myself and uh, my players are all kind of like okay, the DM has that look on her face. <laughs> What's she doing? Meanwhile, I'm just laughing about an NPC who's talking about a chicken. So I, I have to remind myself, bust out of your own head, share these things with, with your players because they will get as much humor and fun out of it as you will. But just naturally, because I most of my worlds are brewing in my heads, I don't always process it. So that, that one's been a big learning curve for me. The other thing that I find is that introverts are really good at wearing different faces. Um, for example, um, I'm an introvert, but I also work in public relations. So I constantly have to talk to people. Meanwhile, I hate, I, I like, oh, I don't hate talking to people, but I, my introvert self feels like I'm, I'm not good at it, but I trick my brain a little bit by putting on a certain mask. You know, I wear that public relations face. Um, when I worked in retail sales, I put on that retail sales face. So when I sit down at the table, I I suddenly have this DM mask on. And it's like this different persona that I can step up and into to kind of, again, get out of my own head a little bit. And it's, it's like stepping into a new job. And here's the things that I need to do. And it's just a different way of thinking about approaching the table that seems to work for me. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. And I think could be useful for a lot of people to think about when, you know, especially if they're intimidated by DMing or something like that is kind of like being like, yes, this is my DM persona. I can maybe I'm willing to be a bit bit meaner and put the characters in danger, but that's not my personal self. That's what the DM's doing. I think I think that's actually honestly use like a useful piece of advice or thing to think about for anybody who, especially who has to juggle multiple roles in their life. Yeah, it, it kind of gives you permission to you know step out of that box a little bit and um, make it okay to make mistakes in certain instances and do something a little different that you might not normally do because you know you're you're wearing this different persona all of a sudden, you know. So, how do you, as an introvert, when you're DMing, how do you deal with being put on the spot? Oh, ask most introverts that, and they will be like, "Oh." And I, it's it's one of the hardest things that I have had to learn and overcome. 
as being a DM. I mean, even now with the podcast and thinking about the questions you guys are going to ask me and how I'm going to respond, it's a little bit intimidating. And yeah, um, but that's a tough one. The, the biggest, one of the biggest things I do is I just, I try really hard to prepare myself. So when I come to the table, I research the world a lot. I probably do it myself excessively, but I just, the more time that I have to prep and I have in my arsenal, then the more comfortable I am when someone asks me something. Um, for example, I was doing Rise of the Rune Lords for Pathfinder and my friend was playing this character who wanted to do something with tinkering and she was like, what's the tinkering god? And I was like, ah! ah, I don't know. I don't know. But then it was like, oh, wait, I do know this. I read this a little while ago. And then after that brief moment of panic of being put on the spot, I could fall back onto the stuff I had prepped. So I mean, the other thing with that is, unfortunately, you cannot prep all the things. <laughs> so it can't be the only arsenal in your toolbox against being put on the spot. So the other the other thing that goes with that is that accept that you're going to make mistakes. Being put on the spot is intimidating and you're not always going to say the right thing or have the right answers. But if you accept that mistakes happen and it's okay, you're only human. Yeah, that, that's probably the toughest thing that I've had to learn in my life is that it's okay to make mistakes and you learn from making mistakes, which is kind of that my third piece of thing about being on being put on the spot is trust yourself. It is really hard to react in the moment. And it is a skill that most people have to learn. Um, at least most introverts have to learn. Extroverts are really good at reacting on the moment because they, they do love to talk a lot. So they're used to it. But for introverts, um, yeah, it's a skill we need to learn. But there's no better way to learn it than just jumping in and doing it. So <laughs> yeah. So We've talked a bunch about like strategies for how to deal with, you know, being at a convention or getting into characters and all this kind of stuff. I think something that's important is even if you're not introverted, you have to think about self-care because, you know, you have to think about, or am I still having fun running this game? Am I getting burned out because I'm doing way too much prep or stuff like this? But when it comes specifically to being an introvert and being a DM, what are some things that you need to to look out for when you're introverted to know that, okay, I need to take a step back. I need to do some self-care and et cetera. I lost where I was going with that. But anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah. So first off, it's getting to know yourself and knowing sort of what, what your own personal limits are. Um, everyone's different and it's okay if, you know, you can only play for four hours when your friends want to go for 12, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad player or a bad DM. It's just means you're different. And so getting to know what you need, um, in order so that you can have fun and still play the games, but also get that time to rest and recover and, um, yeah, just to take a break. Um, so my biggest thing is don't be afraid to say no to games. Um, I know the fear of missing out is hugely real, 
Um, but we definitely need to take those breaks to recharge. Um, I, I know if it was up to my husband, we would be playing um, either tabletop games or board games every night, every week. Um, but I cannot, I just cannot do that. And so we've kind of, you know, come to the balance of how much is a reasonable amount and that it's okay for me to say no if he wants to go off and play board games and I'm just too tired and I just need time at home to be a, you know, wrap myself in a blanket and be a burrito and just watch Netflix for three hours, you know, and knowing that that's okay. That's, that's a big thing. We, we, we need to be kind to ourselves in that regard. And I think what you just said there is actually also really important is that if you, uh, if your partner is somebody who is extroverted and wants to go out and do stuff, you have, you both have to be okay with the extrovert going off and doing stuff on their own because as an introvert, you can't keep up with them. You're going to go nuts trying to keep up with them. Yeah, that's and that's for sure. And that's that that comes back to a bunch of the other things we've talked about, you know, uh, trusting the people that you're with and, you know, working on communicating these things and busting out of your head. And like I said, introvert, introverts, we tend to live in our heads. So just making sure that you're communicating your needs um, to the people that you spend your time with. Um, because because that's okay. We all, like I say, we all have our own needs and things that make us who we are. So if we say, hey, you know, I want to play today, but I can only play for four hours, you know, communicating that and not getting yourself hooked into an all-day game where you know that, oh, crap, my work week is going to suffer because <laughs> I played D&D &D for 12 hours straight and now I'm just totally tapped out for being around people. Yeah, and I think that's a... A really important thing to remember too, if you are like if you're a DM or a player who's an extrovert or, or not an introvert, that like you have to appreciate that your introverted players or DM or friends like listen to them when they tell you what they need, and you know <laughs> be receptive to that. You know if um if a, a player is doesn't have the the energy or whatever to come in and play, that's okay. Like you can you can play without them. You can play a board game. You could run a one shot. There's you have a bunch of options. And you have to be okay with your introverted players, you know, needing time or having limits and like setting those boundaries. Cause yeah. also them setting that boundaries means that they have a certain amount of trust that you're gonna respect them. Yes. And I, I think that's that's true not even just for introverts and extroverts, but for, you know, all types of people is, you know, coming to your gaming table with an open heart and listening to other people's needs and, you know, being respectful of that. That's that's huge. Yeah. And I think like you said, like if if you're a DM and your group wants to play for twelve hours and you're totally up for it, but one of your players says, I can only play for four or five hours because I can't handle playing for a full day, then yeah, like play for the four hours and then your introverted player can go off and either recharge. Maybe they come back later or maybe they can't play anymore that day, but then yeah, you, you can play a one shot or a side quest. Like just because your player can only be there for part of what you had wanted to do doesn't mean that you can't still play. Yeah, exactly. Or, or maybe that introverted player is okay with the story continuing and maybe they set up a space that says, hey, my character is going to go off here for however long you guys are going to keep playing. I hope you're cool with that. And, that. and that's where coming back to communicating is super important because they might be okay with that and they might not be. So figuring, figuring out what's the best plan. Yeah. And like you can, 
you can work with your player or your dm or whatever if you if you have to go away like i've had players who are like i have to miss a couple of sessions it's life's too busy right now and it's just like okay well i can think of a way to set it up so that if they need to if they you know if they come back suddenly or something like that then you know we have a reason why they're nearby but not interacting with the party and like it's it's really easy to do that (laughs) And it's just a little bit of effort. And I, I feel like it's easy to help, you know, help your players or help your DMs do that and still have the game be fun, like fun for everybody. Yeah. So Andrea, tell us a bit about how you got started as a DM and how like any useful tools or I guess techniques or things to think about when you're an introvert who's getting started as a DM. Uh, yeah, so I got started, um, I was part of an online community, uh, it was a Star Trek RPG, and there was an, we had lots of players, but we didn't have very many DMs, and I just thought, I, I think I could do this, and that's one of the great things about starting role-playing online a little bit, is you have that extra protective barrier, it's... To me, it was a little bit less intimidating because you didn't have people sitting right there who were looking at you um, to do it. So it really helped me to get my confidence up in that sort of storytelling and leading players through a campaign without, you know, the things that introverts get tripped up on, like being put on the spot and, you know, world prep. It playing on online in a forum setting kind of gives you that opportunity because you don't have to respond right away someone will you know can I do this and you can actually take you know two hours to do your research and come up with a response so for me that was super helpful but I know that that's not everybody's cup of tea so to do it um, around the table my my first thing would be to is as introverts um, we we like to have that prep a little bit and be ready. So um, don't feel pressured like you have to jump in and DM right away. Just sit back and listen to the DMs in your life who are running games and try and absorb a little bit of what they are bringing to the table. If you know, it'll help you navigate a little bit of, you know, things to expect and what sort of last minute on-the-spot questions you'll get asked and it'll really help you to build up that toolbox so that when you are DMing your own game um, you have this arsenal of things that people typically ask like oh you're in a town and they're gonna want to go to go shopping or something what are what is a typical scene like that look like and you can kind of build that that toolbox um, a little bit but on the flip side don't be afraid to jump in because it's a lot of fun. And um, sometimes you just have to get out of that comfort zone and try the thing and be okay with making mistakes. And that's how you'll learn. And ultimately, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get better at it. And yeah, but my, my biggest kernel of, of advice is that ultimately it comes back to you're there to tell a good story with people who are there with that same goal in mind. So don't beat yourself up, you know, do, do the prep you need to do, but tell a good story and relax and make mistakes. One of the things that I'm, I was thinking about was, do you think that 
are like kind of a halfway point between forum role playing and being at a table might be using something like roll 20 and but not using any of the voice chat or video chat features and you just do it through typing i mean you kind of have to be somebody who's fast at type like a good typist like if you're a hunt and pecker and you're also trying to dm <laughs> it might be a little bit too slow but i'm wondering if you think like do you think that maybe having that space where it's kind of like being an instant like playing over an instant messenger like google talk or uh like facebook messenger or something like that rather than being in person so you have it's a little bit faster than being on a forum where, you know, people aren't expecting, aren't going to reply for two hours or a day, but yep. it doesn't quite have the pressure of being there in person and having to res like feeling like you have to respond quicker. Yeah. I, I think for I'm, I'm not even sure if people do that. I'm sure they do, but that would be a, a great kind of stepping stone into going from, um, you know, text to, you know, instant messaging to maybe doing chat on roll 20, um, which in itself might even be a good starting place because, you know, yeah, you're, you're talking live to people, but you also have that safety blanket of a computer being in front of you. So um, the people, they're not literally at the table with you. So maybe that will make you more comfortable. Um, another, another good option would be just the safety of one shots because, you know, they're one and done. So if you're looking to start picking up like the Pathfinder Goblins modules, because those are a lot of fun and, you know, they're one off, they're done. And once, you, once you're done, you step away from the table and that's it. You don't have the pressure of having to think up, okay, this is going to be like a big campaign and now I have to plan all of these things. It's, you know... Short, fast, fun, and you know you you kind of rip the bandaid off really quick. <laughs> yeah, and if and if you want to play uh, fifth edition, something that I've found that uh, at my local friendly local gaming store is um, Goodman Games puts out these small little modules for fifth edition. They cost about between ten and fifteen bucks, but they've got modules, and they have one for I think every level from one to twenty. My store tends to carry the ones from one to to ten are the most common ones that they seem to stock, but they have they're just these like small little modules. They're not quite a one shot, but they're designed for you know four to five players of level X, whatever level the the book is for. But I found that like if I'm kind of in a bind and I don't have uh, the energy to plan out the next few sessions. Um, I'll pick up one of these books that's appropriate for the level my players are at and take a bunch of ideas from that, like maybe do a side quest or use a bunch of the ideas from that to just put together like, oh, I'm going to modify the campaign ahead and kind of just sneakily run this module for a few sessions while I, while I get my energy back. Because something that I've found, and I'm curious if... Uh, I don't know if it's just a DM thing or if it's an introverted DM thing, but I found that sometimes the planning can take a bunch out of me because I'm trying to think about like, Oh, my player's going to enjoy this. Like I spend, it's that thing of getting into your own head and when you're an introvert and trying to figure out, sometimes you just, you're in your own head thinking like, Oh yeah, my character or this character would be like this, blah, blah, blah. But I found that for me, sometimes 
I wear myself out because I'm trying to think of what my players are going to think or how they're going to feel or what they're going to say or do. And uh, I found that having some modules and stuff on hand to crib from has been a huge help. Oh, yeah. I I actually prefer to DM from modules just because it, it helps to take a little bit of that fear away from me because, you know, I've got the world and I've got the story and it's already plotted out. And so for me, it helps to make it a little less intimidating and there are there are so many good modules now like between um the the wizards website where oh, like dm's guild the dm's guild yeah, yeah dm's guild and um drive through rpg and actual like official published ones and stuff like that there's so much good stuff that's easy to find is inexpensive and is often really easy to integrate into whatever story you have going on yeah i've 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 backed a couple on Kickstarter and I actually just yesterday picked up, let's see, I've got the book right here. Uh, that's from Goodman Games. Um, they basically <laughs> took the the original adventures In Search of the Unknown and The Keep of the Borderlands and they put it into this one book and retooled everything for fifth edition so that you don't have to do the work yourself. And I'm actually really <laughs> that looking- That is helpful. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to running this because- I think it would be a lot of fun to run this like kind of classic D&D adventure, but not having to do it in D&D second edition. I, th- I think that's one of the other things is if you're an introverted DM starting out, don't feel like you have to be tied to a certain system. You know, fifth edition is super great and it's probably one of my favorite systems, but like I learned tabletop on Pathfinder and, you know, that is super rules heavy and super intimidating sometimes. But um, don't be afraid to try some other systems. There are some really great, simple systems. So if that aspect of the D- of DMing is intimidating to you, start easy. Like, Dread is one of the most simple systems to learn as a DM. And it comes up with some amazing storytelling opportunities. And it's... It's all a Jenga block. It's all up to the Jenga tower. You don't have to worry about skill checks or anything. It's, did you successfully move that Jenga block? Okay, you did the thing. Great. Um, so yeah, try try some other, other systems. Don't be afraid to go off the beaten path a little bit there. And if you're into sci-fi fantasy, I think, even though I don't really like the system itself, um, but Shadowrun, from what I've heard, can be good for introverted DMs because... If you get the group into the right mindset, they'll spend a couple of sessions talking amongst themselves, planning a heist. So you don't have to do very much. (laughs) (laughs) There's another new one out called, I think, Ten Candles that I've heard lots of good things about. Um, And it's the system itself sounds reasonably easy. So that's one that I have on my list to check out. But yeah, try try other systems. Don't don't be feel like you have to stick with with D&D, the most well-known one, or even Pathfinder, which is the second biggest one. Like, try some of these small ones. They're fun. I have a, I have a friend who is starting um, a different one using playing cards, which I thought was kind of unique to do it. So, yeah. And there's lots of um, one-page games out there. Uh, Critical Role, they did one called Honey Heist. It's a one-page RPG where you play as bears going on a heist to steal honey and there's only two stats i think it's bear and i can't remember what the other one is it's been a while but like 
it's a super easy game to get into. And if you're worried about having to learn rules or stuff like that, picking up a, a one page game can be a great place to start. Like there's another one called uh, Illuminati and you play as the players are members of the Illuminati. And the only dice that you have to worry about is the, the power die, the D4, because it's a pyramid, of course. <laughs> and it's this, like, there are these games with these really simple premises and really simple rules, but they have a lot of potential to do really fun one-shots that can get you into the mind space habit, I, the role of a DM and get you accustomed to being the person like making calls about rules and stuff like that. Um, when there's only like two or three rules, it's a lot easier to make those calls. Oh, I'm sitting here nodding and realizing that, oh, this is a podcast. <laughs> you can't see me nodding and agreeing with you, but oh, I totally agree with you. For suggesting <laughs> games, I want to suggest Fiasco. I love Fiasco. Uh, I haven't yes. played it in years, but like it's, <laughs> uh, it's a bit, it's not a one page RPG, but it's like, I think 13 or $14 for the book. It comes up with a bunch of scenarios and potential character relationships. And that's, more or less all you do to make your characters you decide which character from the set you're going to be you decide your relationship with uh, the characters on either side of you and then you get i think you also descent or decide like what the ultimate goal is or what because it's kind of it's sort of a heist game you decide like what the kind of object of interest is and then you yeah, it depends on what's uh, what rule or scenario you're playing. But it's basically like the in the first book for Fiasco, there's a bunch of books and you can find a bunch of different scenarios online. Um, the first one basically is Fargo in yeah. a couple of different locations, basically. Like there's Midtown, Nowhere, America and... And, uh, oh, I've got the list. Um, there's those two. And then there's also a mining town in the Wild West. And American suburbia. Yeah, and there's there's all sorts of great ones like uh, Will Wheaton's Tabletop did one uh, when they did table or when they did Fiasco. They used a custom module that was something like what was it? Uh, club fifty four or whatever. You know that famous disco club in the eighties. Club seventy nine. That's what it is. I was so close with the number, uh, but it was basically like a couple of gangsters and mobsters and people who run this club and how everything goes horribly horribly wrong and yeah it's it's also great because fiasco is a dm-less game um so you can help run it but you don't have to worry about being the person who makes rule calls because it's one of those games where everybody is the dm so you can suggest it and kind of get everybody up to speed and kind of get stretch those muscles on like how to how to run a game without having to worry about actually being the person running the game yes anyways is there anything else that you think people should know about being an introverted dm any tips or tricks for introverts who are thinking about getting into dming words of advice etc I, th I think I, I i covered everything that i had written down so <clears throat> i don't have any final last words on the matter <laughs> okay all right <laughs> Um, so, Andrea, if uh, you could go back in time when you first started running games and give yourself one piece of advice about running games like while you're an introvert, what would that be? For me personally, I know the biggest one is don't be afraid to make mistakes. I, but that's a whole other issue. I don't, it's not related to being an introvert. It's just, you know, getting 
getting my confidence up to play the game and tell a good story and just remind myself that I don't ha- I don't have to be perfect at it. Everyone is here to tell a good story and have fun. So just, you know, relax and do your best. So I, w- I wish I could tell my younger self that. <laughs> That's probably actually a good piece of advice for anybody thinking about getting into DMing because I think, I know that when I was starting, I was definitely worried about like, oh, what if I get rules wrong? What if I mess this up? What if I mess that up? Like, it's okay to make mistakes because most of the time your players won't notice. Even if they do, they probably won't care. And if they do, it's kind of a sign that you maybe don't want to play with them next time you start a uh, campaign. But most of the time people either don't notice or don't care because they're having fun and because that's what matters. Yeah. I totally agree. Uh, So thank you so much for coming on. Hey, it's been fun. I've learned a couple of things that I'm going to try and keep in mind while I'm DMing. Is there anybody that, uh, anybody, is there anywhere that people can find you online? Uh, Anything that you want to plug? Uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, You can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Wisdom Check. I also have a blog. It's uh, www.wisdomcheck.ca, where I talk about being an introvert in tabletop and board gaming and my own experiences. Um, I have been on a bit of a hiatus for the last year while I deal with some health stuff, but I'm hoping to start writing again. And uh, my husband and I also started a new dice shop. Um, called Adventure Dice. So if you're looking for dice, um, check us out. It's www.adventuredice.ca. We've already, both of our sponsors are dice shops, so I am going to have to cut that out. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> sure about that, but that is okay. I'm, I'm totally joking. Oh, no, you can do that. I don't mind. <laughs> I just thought of one more thing. I don't know if you can add it in, but I mentioned at the beginning of the show uh, the charity D&D event, and we are hoping to do it again in 2019. So if you follow me on Twitter, I will have news as we plan it, and hopefully we can make it bigger next year and raise a little bit more money for charity. Cool. What's it called? Uh, this year we called it charity D&D, but we might change the name next year. So yeah, stay tuned, I guess. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. So our artwork is done by the wonderful Haley Boros. Our theme music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod. Uh, you can find us on social media at DMs of Vancouver. You can find me at, at Jesse the Red, and you can find Sean at Sean P. Hagen. And we've got a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash DMs of Vancouver. For just a dollar a month, you get access to episodes a week early. Huge thanks to our patrons, Craig and Haley. Thanks so much, guys, for helping us out um also big thanks to our sponsors uh dice bard and liberal starcana i think that's everything cave goblin network right thanks <laughs> to the cave goblin network for letting us be a part of their crazy thing yeah um also if you like the show please rate and review on itunes i i, I know it's a bit of work now it's not really as simple as it used to be but it really does help us out uh if you if you like the show and you want other people to find it okay Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.